to celebrate uh, with the Lord to got good things coming with the message and uh, just uh, want to read uh, some scripture and have a prayer. We're going to read from the 15th chapter of John verses uh, 12 uh, through 15. It says this commandment that this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his and lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for, servant, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. And I wrote a little note in my scripture there. said, we can know more. And that is by reading and listening to God's word. So let us pray. God, I thank you today that you allow us to have the word of God to read and to study. And, and then we have you, God, to just through the Holy Spirit to give us the direction that we need. And I thank you, God, this morning that you allow us, that you call us your friend. Thank you, God, for that friendship and love. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning we uh, <clears throat> get the privilege of honoring graduates of 2023 in both college and high school. And we have a record that I remember of 23. Um, so the first thing I would like to do is ask for grace with names and information, because I know in a moment like this, every name is important. And while it is important, I am not perfect. And so I, I ask for grace in, in that. And um, I thank you for sending in your information and, and, and all the things that you did. And we wanted to start off, I want to read just one short passage of scripture that I think is important um, in understanding our call to live out our, our faith. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul has been bringing the Ephesians to a place to understand just the, the depth and the, the width of living a life for Christ as a, as a follower of Christ. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. Not, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I think one thing that stands out in that passage is just the reality that God cares about every step and every aspect of your life. 
God spoke to children, and he spoke to fathers, and he spoke to slaves, and he spoke to masters, imploring them to live as those who understand that they ultimately live for an audience of one, which is him. So whether your next step is college or work or wherever it may be, know that you do all things for the glory of God in every aspect of life. And so this may be a a new step for you, but it's not a new call. The call is still the same, which is to glorify God with your life, for he has saved you and he is worthy of your life. And so as we begin this morning, we're going to begin with actually the college graduates. And so many of them are not here this week. I think we chose um, finals week as the week to, to announce them. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the list of our college graduates in no specific order, I may add. And um, as we do that, if you are with us and you would like to be recognized, if you would just stand and we will recognize you and then we will move to the high school graduates. So first off, we have Asa Aubrey. He's graduating from the University of Montevallo with a Bachelor's of Business Administration and Finance with a minor in Sports Business. Secondly, we have Duncan Googe. He's graduating from Georgia Southern University with a Bachelor's in Criminal Justice and Criminology. Next, we have Hayden Harper. He's graduating from the University of Georgia with a Bachelor of Arts in International Affairs with a Certificate in Data Analytics for Public Policy. Next, we have Jessica Lynn Harper. She's graduating from the University of West Georgia with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Following her is Seth Morgan Harper, graduating from the American Military University with a Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice. Next, we have Savannah Grace Knowles, graduating from the University of West Georgia with a Bachelor's Degree of Science in Psychology with a minor in Sociology. Next, we have Catherine Moody, graduating from Piedmont University with an education specialist in curriculum and instruction. I know she's here. (laughs) Next, we have Erica Wiggins, graduating from the University of West Georgia with an education specialist degree in professional counseling. Next, we have Eli Aubrey, graduating from the University of Georgia School of Law with a Juris Doctor degree. And those are our 2023 college graduates, if you'd give them a hand. Now for our high school graduates, and you don't get off so easy. So when your name is called, if you would, come forward. And uh, we have a a gift for you from the church, which is a a devotion called New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp that you're going to receive from Pastor Neil. And once your name is called, if you'd come forward, and we're going to line you up across the the front here so everybody can look at you for a while. You better get used to that for the next couple of weeks. um, But we just want to honor you and, and celebrate you this morning. So once again, in no particular order that I know of, we have Tyler Armstrong. He's the son of James Armstrong and the grandson of Betty Keaton. He's graduating from Heard County High School, and he plans to continue to work at North Georgia Turf while attending classes at the University of West Georgia. Mr. Tyler Armstrong. Next, we have Jake Wesley Aubrey. He's the son of Neil and Tracy Aubrey. 
He's graduating from Heard County High School and plans to attend Shorter University. Jake Wesley Aubrey. Next we have John Paul Aubrey, son of Jake and Ashley Aubrey, graduating from Heard County High School and plans to attend the University of West Georgia before transferring to Kennesaw State to pursue an engineering degree. John Paul Aubrey. Next we have Austin Allen Brooks, son of Tammy Nicole and Allen Brooks, graduating from Heard County High School and plans to attend West Georgia Technical College. Austin Allen Brooks. Next we have Brooklyn Kerbo, daughter of Randall and Chassie Kerbo, graduating from Heard County High School and plans to attend college with the hopes of being a NICU nurse or an actress. Brooklyn Kerbo. Next up, we have Cammie Alice Hanna, daughter of Brandon and Emily Hanna, graduating from Heard County High School and plans to attend the University of West Georgia to complete her core classes before moving to pharmacy school at Auburn University. Cammie Alice Hanna. Next, we have Hannah Wright, daughter of Shane and Kim Wright, graduating from Heard County High School and plans to attend Emmanuel College where she will play softball and pursue a degree in biology. Hannah Wright. Next we have Gareth Douglas Blinn, son of Ashley Blinn and great-grandson of Betty Keaton, graduating from Carrollton High School and plans to attend the University of West Georgia. Gareth Douglas Blinn. Next, we have Elizabeth McCree Hall, daughter of Judd and Suzanne Hall. She is graduating from Carrollton High School and plans to attend the University of Mississippi to pursue a degree in journalism. Elizabeth McCree Hall. Next, we have Christopher Brett Gordon, son of Stephen and Christy Gordon, graduating from Central Carroll High School plans to attend Shorter University pursuing a degree in Christian Studies. Christopher Brett Gordon. Audrey Ann Stallings, daughter of Jeff and Joy Stallings and Teresa and John Pate, graduating from Central Carroll High School and plans to attend the University of West Georgia to pursue a nursing degree with a desire to be a NICU nurse. Audrey Ann Stallings. Lastly, we have Chase Graham Duncan, son of Micah, Michael and Laura Duncan, grandson of Freddie and Mary Duncan, graduating from Oconee High School. Chase Graham Duncan. And these are your 2023 high school graduates of Glenlock Baptist Church. Y'all may be seated. Don't run away, though, because we're going to take a picture at the end, okay? We want to thank you for your support of these students, for many of them, the longevity of their lives. And we want to implore you as the body of Christ to pray for them as they move forward in their walk, ultimately 
to the glory of God. So let's come together and do that now as we lead into worship. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for life. We're thankful for the ability, Lord, to, to learn and to grow. We're thankful for the ability, Lord, just to worship you, that you've called us, Lord, to a, a life of worship in every area of our lives, whether it be in our schooling, in our work, in our parenthood, Lord, we are called to live as those who understand the gospel, what has been done for us, Lord, and live in light of that, Lord, understanding that all things are a gift from you, and so they are to be given back to you as worship. Lord, I pray for each graduate this morning that they would look forward, Lord, to ways in which that they can continue to grow, continue to, to, to move um, forward, Lord, but ultimately continue to worship and honor you with their lives. Lord, I pray that we would be a church who does not, who does not leave them by the wayside, Lord, but continues to pray for them and to honor them with the way in which we treat them each and every time we see them. Many will stay and many will leave, Lord, but ultimately we know that they all are still part of our church, that you have gifted them to us and given us the opportunity to serve them and honor them as, as we are called to do. So, Lord, I pray that we would continue to be the church um, for them. Lord, that you would just implore all of us just to, to continue to show grace to each one of them and to love them in a way that brings honor and glory to you. In all things, we praise you and thank you for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. If you'll stand this morning, we're going to begin worship um, singing and just singing praises this morning to celebrate these graduates. done great 
sing one more song together this morning. Just 
tell you a funny, not a funny, but a little note about that song. I grew up when we were little before middle school at Marcel Baptist Church, and we sang that every Sunday before the sermon. And now I know that we actually kind of sang it our own way because we didn't sing it the way it was written in the <laughs> hymnal. And I sang it the way I sang it, but that could just be how eight-year-old me thought it was wrote. But that needs to be our prayer before we go into a sermon. And especially, I just wanted to sing that song for our seniors this morning, too. As a reminder, we used to sing to open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our minds. So let's pray that together this morning. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much just allowing us to come into your house this morning and fellowship with our um, family of believers, God. Lord, thank you um, for just a wonderful group of graduates, God, who are going on to their next step, God. Lord, I, I couldn't help but get emotional thinking of um, some of those graduates, God, that have been here since they were born, God. And you know, God, just to hear how you're working in their lives, like like Audrey wanting to be a NICU nurse, God, and how this church prayed so desperately when she herself was in a NICU, God. Um, our Lord, just, you know, how we've prayed for so many of these graduates through different phrases of their life, God, and not just the high school graduates, but the college graduates too, God, to see that we have graduates going to law school and working in international affairs, God. Lord, you are doing great things. And you deserve all the praise and honor, God. And Lord, I just pray that these graduates know that um, we say that this is a place where love abounds, God. But that love abounds to any campus or any job field that they're going to be on, God. Lord, I know that because this is the church that loved me when I wasn't here, but when I was away at college, God. So, Lord, may we show those graduates that same love, God. Lord, may we give you all the glory and praise your name because it's all through things you have done, God. And, Lord, as we study Galatians this morning, God, may we um, just have open eyes, open ears, and open hearts and minds, God, to hear directly from you this morning. We just turn this time of worship and study over to you. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children, in the back for Children's Church. As the children leave, grateful for our morning already. What a wonderful day to recognize and celebrate our graduates. Uh, my name is Neil Aubrey. I'm a kindergarten dropout from the Unity School over in Roosterville, Georgia. But I do plan on preaching our sermon this morning from Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. But we're actually going to start in verse 1 because I want us to get the drift of the passage and why Paul leads into what he says in 8 through 20. Yeah, Catherine mentioned the miracle uh, that Audrey and her birth was and what a joy it is to see her healthy and walking up to receive a book. Uh, I thought of Tyler 
Tyler Armstrong. I remember when Tyler uh, was born and some of the difficulties connected to that. Uh, not long after that, Jake was born. But I just want to say if we sit back and think about it biblically, every life is a miracle. We're all walking around as miracles, enjoying the miracle of life and of grace. So the question for each of us as we live in the school of grace is to ask, how do we respond to the freedom and the responsibility and the love that God has given? So this morning, I want to speak to us on the glorious freedom of God's children. The glorious freedom of God's children. Let's start again in chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also, while we were children... We were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Born under the law in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive, what a gift, the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So just to review, God has provided for us miracles of grace. He has sent His Son into the world... And he has sent his spirit into our hearts. So now we are called to live in the freedom and the responsibility and the love that God has provided for us in Christ. All of this is not from us, but it's at the end of verse 7, through God. So look at what he does next in verse 8. He says, however, at that time... And he's, he's, he's asking the Galatians to look back. Look back at what you were before you came to know Christ. At that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now, so that was then, right? This is now. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you. That perhaps I've labored over you in vain. I beg of you, brethren. Now I emphasize it in that tone because this is a very pastoral, loving, caring, yet intense section of Galatians. Where you can just 
feel the appeal and the emotion. He cares about these people. He cares about what's happening. I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing that you had? Where did the love go? Where did the joy go? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and you would have given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy by telling you the truth? They, and he's speaking here of the Judaizers, they eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out in order that you may seek them. He is saying their motives are selfish. Their motives are impure. They have an agenda. And it's to control you so that they can get likes and follows and shares, so to speak, to get you under their wings to build their own reputation. I expanded on that a little bit because that takes some, it takes some context to understand. But then in verse 18, But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I'm pre- present with you. My children, he is calling them. My children, with whom I am again in labor, until Christ is formed in you. If you don't hear me say anything else, I want you to grasp that one phrase, until Christ is formed in you. Because that's the whole reason we gather. It's the whole reason that Christianity exists. It's it's why the church and the gospel and all that we do happens. It is to have Christ formed in us. And then in verse, verse 20. But I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone. Then he says, but I'm perplexed about you. He says, I'm at my wit's end trying to figure out why you are thinking of going back to anything besides the sufficiency and the fullness of Christ. Father, we are so grateful to be able to gather and hear your word, to hear from you. And as Catherine has already prayed, we pray for open eyes and hearts and minds to receive the truth. And that we would receive this morning just a sense of the passion and the love that Paul had for the Galatians. That's a reflection, Father, of the passion and love you have for each of us. And how seriously we must take what he is saying to them and to us through the word this morning. 
May you speak to each of us personally through the Word and your Spirit in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I tried to think of a way to communicate what Paul is trying to say to the Galatians, and this is about as good as I guess I could come up with. But let's imagine that these graduates this morning, after receiving their diplomas, so to speak, if one of them came to you, mom or dad or grandma or granddad, and they said, you know what, I'm thinking about now that I've graduated high school, I think I want to go back to kindergarten. You would say, what? (laughs) No. You've come this far. You're maturing. You've You've got freedom now and responsibility and love. You can't go back. But that's what Paul in verse 9 seems to be saying that they're thinking of doing. You're going back to the elemental things of the world when when God has saved you and redeemed you and provided for you forgiveness and life, and it was all through Christ. It was through His finished work. And now you are tempted to go back to where you were? We would say, that I'm perplexed about that. And then I came up with a little bit stronger, more personal illustration that really gets deeper, I think, to what the issue would have been. So my son Eli, as you notice if you were paying attention, has graduated from law school. What a miracle in my particular family, okay? But last May, Eli was married, and he married a young lady named Wren. So let's stretch the illustration even further, and let's suppose that Eli came to me a year after getting married, and Eli says to me something like this, You know, Dad, I'm thinking of leaving Wren, and and I'm thinking of going back and seeing some of my old girlfriends. Yeah, I know. Ooh, (laughs) I think I like the kindergarten illustration better than that one. But I think that gives more weight to what the Galatians were considering doing. Because God had provided everything through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And what they were tempted to do throughout the Bible is called spiritual adultery. They were, they were tempted to leave their first love and go back to, as he says it here, idolatry, false gods, weak and beggarly principles from the world. I've got to get into this. I, I don't even know that I'm into it yet. So, so let me give you the three factors this morning. So he... Here's the the essence of the message. We are speaking of the glorious freedom of God's children. That God calls us to enjoy and live in freedom, responsibility, and love that's available through His work for us in Jesus. Yet how do we do this? 
when all of us are constantly at war with the world and the flesh and the devil. Just as points of reminders, being under the burden and curse of the law is not liberty, but rather bondage. Being under the influence of the elemental principles of the world is not liberty, but rather bondage and immaturity. And Paul is saying the time is now. The Father has sent the Son and the time is now and everything is available to live in freedom, responsibility, and love. So why are you thinking of going back? So let me give you the three factors. Number one, we must remember God's provision. Number two, we must be mindful of the process And number three, we must remember the promise. So this morning in the time we've got left, I'm going to just touch on the provision, the process, and the promise. And all of it's wrapped up in in, in this whole idea of how do we live as, as children of freedom and not be bound by the law or the world or idolatry or all the other options that are out there. So number one, let's remember God's provision. That in Christ, God has already provided, and it's available here and now, all we need to live in freedom, responsibility, and love. He sent Christ into the world. He sent His Spirit into our hearts, and we are now heirs of God. All that God is and all that God has is already ours to be accessed in Christ. Now, the Judaizers had added all sorts of ritualistic ceremonies and days, but they had nothing to do with Jesus or the gospel. They were just religious rituals and activities, just going through the motions. And, and, he, and he lists these, and no one really understands fully what all these are. Days and months and seasons and years. The Judaizers were wanting to take over their calendar. But Paul is saying that apart from Jesus and the gospel, those things were weak and useless. They did nothing to deepen and enhance the relationship that he's called us to in Christ. So that's why he uses this phrase in verse 8, however at that time. Well, you didn't know God, but now you know him. You know him because he first loved and knew you, he reminds us in verse 9. So how are you turning back again to what's weak and that it's unable to save? What's worthless and that it's unable and inept and insufficient to provide for us the sufficiency that we have in Christ. These are elementary things, and you'll be enslaved all over again if you go back to those. So that's why he jumps into verse 11 and says, I'm afraid that I've, I've labored over you in vain, and so I beg of you, brethren, remember who you are. God has provided everything that we need in Christ and in his word for life and godliness. Timothy George, one of the commentators that I'm reading, says this, Conversion to Christ means breaking completely 
with the idolatrous religion and false gods of the surrounding culture. Conversion to Christ means breaking completely with the idolatrous religion and false gods of the surrounding culture. But they themselves were tempted and, and, and swayed and being drawn back. Paul is trying to bring them back to trusting fully in Christ, to trust fully in what God has already provided in Christ. Then they were enslaved to what were not gods, basically paganism. But God himself had called them to personal faith in Jesus Christ. So here's, here's what I'm going to say, then I'm going to move on. We have got to remind ourselves daily of who we are in Christ and what God has provided for us in Christ. Now, when I was in elementary school, I'm going to take us back a little bit. While some people were hearing that all we are is dust in the wind, or all we are is another brick in the wall, my elementary school music teacher, Miss Elaine McLean, was leading us in this wonderful children's musical called Down by the Creek Bank. <laughs> Down by the Creek Bank. Let me say it without my voice crack crackling. Did any of y'all do Down by the Creek Bank? Okay, my brother did. He's back there in the back. <laughs> we got some interaction here from family. I don't know why, but Paul talks about adoption over and over in the book of Galatians. You're now adopted. And so my mind went back, way back, to this song in that musical down by the creek bank. And as children in school, public school, we were being taught this. I am adopted. I'm a special kid, you see. And I'm proud to be a member of the royal family. My father owns a kingdom. And he sits upon his throne. He gives me everything I need. It's nice to just belong. I'm adopted. I'm chosen. I bear my father's name. And I live a life of luxury in a castle with a king. And I'm thinking, I need this more today than I needed it then. That you and I really are royalty in Christ. We really have been adopted in Christ. And so what we need is to take ourselves to the scriptures and to the gospel and clarify for us who God has already declared us to be in Jesus. And through that, he forms us. You've got to keep preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Or as I've said, take yourself back down by the creek bank, okay? Let's move on. You got the first one. The first factor is what God has provided, what God has already provided. Paul is reminding them of that. The second thing I want to show us as we move through is the process. There is a process. It is the process of discipleship. It's the process of sanctification. It's the process of growth. After you come to Christ by faith, there, there is a goal. There's an end, and the goal isn't easy. There aren't any shortcuts to the goal. But I want to point out verse 19, where I mentioned earlier the goal. The goal is to have Christ formed in us. Isn't that an interesting statement? Christ is in us, 
and his character is being formed in us. And in verse 19, he also gives us an image that he is like a woman who is in labor. In fact, the word he uses for labor is a direct correlation to a woman who, as a mother, is in the labor pains of giving birth. So Paul is giving us a a vision and a picture of ministry and love and care and what it takes to get through this process. So you go back to what he says about a physical ailment. He says, when I first came to you, God used my physical health issues to, in his providence, bring me to Galatia, and God used that to preach the gospel to you, and you believed, and Christ lived in you. So there God was using circumstances. He was using people. And Paul says that even though I had some physical malady, you accepted me, and you welcomed me, and you loved me. Now I'm going to work all through this, and next week we're going to do more of this. But all I want you to see is that there is a process that is spiritual growth that ultimately results in the character and the life of Christ that's in us being matured and formed so that our lives begin to reflect and look like Jesus. And the whole point is this is not an easy process. It's a process that Paul likens to having a child, carrying the child, and later giving birth to the child in full maturity. So I'm going to take this moment to make a public service announcement that I hope all of you know that Catherine Moody is expecting. Do you know that? Catherine, you still back there? And the reason you announce those things is that in time, a pregnancy becomes obvious. It's something that develops, or someone that develops and grows. So it's an obvious process, but it's also a very difficult process. Nine months? I want to read to you something one commentator said, if I can find it. And it's interesting that Paul uses these analogies because what did he say? Jesus was born of a woman. Paul says, I'm like a woman who loves and cares for a child and I'm in labor over your spiritual growth. And then he switches the analogy to us and he says, Christ is in you being formed also. And that's a process of growth. Did he, did he get into all this because of what God had already revealed to him, that Christ himself was born of a woman? Anyway, those are theological thoughts I'm just having along the way. Listen, a mother willingly goes through the ordeal of pregnancy and delivery all over again in order to secure the well-being of her children. Paul is describing his ministry mindset. That the reason he came, the reason he writes, the reason he loves, the reason he cares, the reason he's so serious, and then the reason he's so appealing with love is that he loves them with with a kind of mother's love. But we need to be preaching this next week for Mother's Day. 
But the whole point I'm trying to make is that our life in Christ, which is freedom, responsibility, and love, we are in process. We are in progress. And if Christ is in us, then over time it will become obvious in increasing ways that his character and his life is being formed in us. So here we go. His love, his forgiveness, his humility, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. All of Christ and all of me in increasing measure. That is the process. Now I said a lot, okay? I said a lot real fast. But everything that I said is already here in Galatians. God has provided. We are in process. And let me share something with you. Can I, can I get personal with you? I was talking to a lady. I, tell, I asked her permission to share this. Kelly Reese is the children's pastor at First Baptist in Franklin. I love Kelly. She's very Christ-like. Christ is being formed in her, and it is evident and it's clear. She and I were talking about Galatians. We are talking about freedom. She reminded me that freedom isn't cheap or easy, but we have to fight for our freedom. And I think it fits along with where Paul is in this section, that he, he has blood, sweat, toil, and tears for his own growth and their growth. And so Kelly shared with me just in the moment, this is weeks ago, a poem that she had written about her own struggle for personal freedom in Christ. See, you think we ministers are exempt from this process. We are no exception. And I felt this. And I grasped this. And I want to communicate it to you before I close. This was from her. When I'm in the wilderness, and my daily task the same, I forget my recent bondage or that he called me by name. How could I forsake the Savior who saved my very life, who brought me out of Egypt and freed me from pain and strife? You think it's easy to live free? Why exhibit an ungrateful heart? Don't you understand what you have? A God whose creative love is an art. To know Him is to love Him. To know Him is to know a love you never thought could be. Some fall softly into grace while I'm fighting to live free. I thought, wow, that is so true. All of us come from different contexts, different perspectives, different life experiences, different homes, different situations. Some do fall softly into grace. And then I think for all of us, after that, we must fight the world, the flesh, and the devil to claim the freedom and the responsibility and love that God has already provided. I'm going to give you the last point just to encourage you. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. 
The last phrase or the last factor is the promise. The promise that God himself will complete the work. He who has begun a good work in you, he will complete that good work until the day of Christ Jesus. I've got three or four reference texts. The God of all grace will equip, confirm, strengthen, establish, and perfect you. One day we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I want to infuse us with perseverance and fight and endurance and strength, knowing that if Christ is in you, and if he is being formed in you, then one day, one day, you will be like him. And Romans 8, 28 says that that is the good that he is working everything that happens into our life. That's the good end that he is at work in us for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. What an encouragement that Paul loved and cared for the Galatians so much that he would liken the love that he had to a mother's love. And that he would liken the process going on in us through grace and Christ and you to, to life coming to be. And that life is nothing less than Jesus who lives in us and who is with us. We can't fully grasp this, but we can certainly experience it if we will surrender. Deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow you. You will make us fishers of men. You will ultimately make us like you. Help us to be aware of the fight, the process, and the battle. And to press on, knowing you will complete the work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. You come forward as we sing.
so we've got a few good things to share. So, Miss Kathy, um, I'm going to ask Kathy and Gwen to come stand for just a moment. Two of the sweetest ladies in all the universe. If you've, if you've met them and been around them, you already know this. Uh, she comes up and she says, it's about time. And I say, listen, I, I, I thought you were already members for that matter. But uh, Kathy Mangum from Community Christian in Sharpsburg and Miss Gwen Mangum from First Christian of Tyrone, they desire to formally unite with us this morning. Uh, that's a, a, a joyful thought to me. What, what's the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church? Okay, I hear a second already. All in favor, let me know my saying amen. 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 Uh, Kathy and Gwen, that sounds like all of us. We are so blessed. Thank you. Now, if you'll be seated just a second, because I know what's coming, uh, and then I'll call you back up here. Go be, yeah, I wanted to present y'all first. I, I wanted to thank Miss Betty Keaton. Miss Betty Keaton is back with us this morning after almost a year away. <laughs> Truly a blessing to have Miss Betty here. But Miss Lois shared with me something this morning that I think uh, our church needs to hear and be in prayer for. Miss Lois, would you come to the mic and pray and then I'm going to ask Catherine to close us in prayer and as she comes up and shares a prayer request I also want you to be praying for Catherine and Russ that was the whole reason I mentioned it I want us to be in prayer for her because it's not a it's not an easy thing and Catherine already is having some, some difficulties so let's pray for Catherine and Russ and then Miss Lois is going to mention a prayer request also and then we'll, we'll close Miss Lois thought it would be okay if I uh, presented this to the church and he said absolutely and Neil did too um, you know how well I don't know if y'all know Dr. David Jeremiah or not but I love Dr. David Jeremiah and he he did a series or wrote a book on uh, y'all can sit if you'd like sometimes I get a long little long-winded it's the Italian in me I can't help it <laughs> but um, he wrote a book about abandoning the road and graduates uh, you you will find like like I have as a uh, an old grandma Nona up here that life ro life's road goes along just fine and then all of a sudden there's a bend in the road and you don't know what's around that bend and uh, it could be something really good or it could be something heart wrenching and I know we've all experienced those uh, times uh, recently in Nashville Tennessee there was a terrible school shooting and one of my nephews is an EMT uh, and he he was on duty that day and he had to go to that school and he had to take care of those children and the adults and I didn't come to you all for prayer for him and I should have well yesterday my brother sent a text and he said that his son, uh, his son, his wife, and his little little boy were at that premium mall in Allen, Texas. And uh, by the grace of God, God is so good. By the grace of God, the little boy needed to go to the restroom. So my nephew's wife took her, took him to the restroom, and and my nephew Zach was waiting for them. When all of a sudden this man appeared 
and started shooting. Zach saw that man, and he, by the grace of God, was spared. And he saw the man as a shooter, and then he saw the man's body, uh, along with several several others. But it it um, it just weighed on me. Of course, that's extremely close to home, even though it was in Texas. It doesn't matter. It's extremely close to home in the heart. Um, but Zach had been uh, raised in the church when he was young and gotten away from the church. He's a, he's a wonderful kid. He absolutely loves his little boy, and he's very smart. He's got a doctorate in economics, of all things. So he's like a really smart person, but he's gotten away from God. And there is no way, I believe, that he was so close because he, I texted him and he said, he said, so loud, so scared, you know, was what he sent me back. There's, there's no way that God was not in front of him, protecting him, and had sent the little boy to the restroom where they could shelter because he, the little boy didn't hear anything, he didn't see anything, but he has a lot of questions. But then what, uh, Zach, uh, came through that terrible afternoon physically but it's the mental process now that he has to to endure um but I'm I'm asking for prayer for him to lift him up you know to uh it, it, to just let him realize that there is a God and like we've been studying in, in Sunday school he is eternal he is forever. He is everlasting. And he walks with us through every situation of life, no matter how um, happy or terrifying times we have. He's always there. So if y'all could, could remember to lift him and his family up, I sure would appreciate it. Thank you, Miss Lois. So let's stand. Um grateful for what she shared and how close to home it is for really all of us. Uh, pray for Christ and his heart to dwell in more people uh, and that the gospel would be shared, which truly transforms the heart. Um, and then the trauma that, that he must have experienced, obviously, uh, witnessing that. So uh, I'm going to ask Catherine to close us in prayer. Thank you for your patience. I'm going to ask Kathy and Gwen to stand with us. And Jeff, will you come stand with Kathy and Gwen uh, after the service if you want to welcome them? And uh, Yeah, come on up, Jeff. And stand with Kathy. Welcome them into our church family. Uh, Catherine, would you close us in prayer, please? We'll pray and sing, family of God. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much um, for being a God that's in control of all circumstances in every situation, God. Lord, right now, I thank you for Miss Lois um, and just for her boldness to step in front of our church and say, hey, body of believers, we have a job to do. And Lord, as those body of believers, I know that you promise us in your word where two or more are gathered, you're with us, God. And so, Lord, we just um, lift Zach up to you and we just pray that um, you intervene in his life and let him see that sometimes situations that seem bad and scary are you, are you putting yourself right in front of us to say, here I am, here I am. And so, Lord, may he see you in these situations. May he feel you 
in the recovery God and may you use his family and friends and community to support and lift him up God Lord I pray for our country um I don't like living in a world where I had to tell my students this week that we do lockdown drills so they know how to respond when they start hearing gunfire, God. Lord, that's a scary reality, but scary realities can be comforted with faith in you, God, and that we know that you're in control of every situation and circumstance, God. So we just pray that you protect us and that you use us to love others, God, because we desperately need more people to feel the love of Christ, and that's only going to happen through us. So, Lord, just use us um, and be with this family and and be with these um, individuals who have experienced all of these mass shootings, God. Lord, we just love you and praise you and and come to you brokenhearted, um, crying out for you to help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing Family of God together. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week for Mother's Day.